You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. Hey, you know what? What God's doing here at Life is incredible. What God has done over the last 27 years is nothing short of a miracle. But I want to tell you what is about to happen is even more of an amazing story that God has not yet written yet. And maybe you've been part of this church for all 27 years. Maybe you're here for the first time today. Maybe it's your first time in church. You know, I reckon it'd be awesome if it is your first time in church. Wouldn't we just say a massive welcome? Come right across all the campuses. Let's welcome every person right now. Maybe you're watching online. You're like, I'm going to check this church thing out. Man, the church, I love it. The church is the only club in the world that has been built for its non-members. It's incredible when you think about that. Incredible. And I, as I was preparing this weekend, we had a great time at Man Covers, but on Thursday I was sitting at my desk, and as I was thinking about what am I going to preach this morning, I felt like I was kind of, you know, it's easy when you're as a, as a pastor of a church to go to some kind of, you know, what, what's my best message, what would be the best thing, and I felt God said to me, no, no, throw that away, and I want you to write a brand new, fresh message. And not just a message, but I believe it's a prophetic message for the future of this church, where God's taking you. And in case you've never been to church before, a prophetic message simply is this, talking about what is to come, like a real sense of this is what is on the way. And sometimes it's a great thing to have an outside voice come in about it and say, hey, you need to know what's coming because when you get a sense in your heart what's coming, God can prepare you for all that is ahead. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I'd love you to write this title down because I don't know if you know this or not, it's somewhere, maybe it's on the bowl, maybe it is, I'm not sure, I don't think it is, but just, just in case... If you take notes, then I've heard that you might get a few bonus rooms in heaven one day. So just take some notes. And I've heard that there's, a, there's an extra level if you take physical notes and not just write on your phone. So that's what I've heard. That's what I'm just, I'm just going to be banking that in case. Just you never know. It's insurance policy. Probably you won't. Okay, I get that. But just, you know, it's good to take notes to remember. So if you want to write this down, this morning's title is this. Pass me the binoculars. Pass me the binoculars. Would you write that down? The important words, pass me the binoculars. I want to read this morning for 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I hope you're ready for this. I hope you're ready for this. This is not just another sermon to tickle your ears. My prayer this morning is that your heart will be open and receptive and, and that you'll be ready for what God wants to speak into you right now. It says this, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen and what no ear has heard and what no human has conceived. Let me say that again. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived are the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. And these are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. And Father, I pray this morning, as we come around Your Word, would You open our eyes the spiritual eyes of our heart, Father. Would you get our ears ready to hear something that is fresh in you, Father? God, I pray that, Lord, as we come around your word today, that, Lord, no matter where we're at in life, whether it's the first time in church or whether it's been coming for a long time, God, would you change us this morning, Father? Would your word cut through the things of life that sometimes can be difficult to hear through the clutter? And God, would you speak to every spirit in this house? God, I pray that, Lord, as a result, Lord, you would move us in the direction of you, closer to you, and more like you. And God, I'm so thankful this morning the All Blacks won yesterday. It's making my job a whole lot easier. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray that somewhere along the Wallabies will get their stuff together. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I don't know if 
You've ever found yourself in a circumstance where you've been very pleased that you didn't actually know what was going on around you. Like you were thankful that after the fact, you're like, gee, I'm glad I didn't know what was happening because if I did, I would have panicked. I would have stressed out. I wouldn't have coped with that moment. And a few years ago, I took a missions team. Uh, this is before I was a youth pastor to Indonesia. And on the final night of our time there in Indonesia, before we went to the airport, we decided that we would uh, put a gift on for the Indonesian people, a fireworks show. And in my heart, I had imagined the Sydney New Year's Eve fireworks as a potential uh, kind of a framework. And so we went to the local store and we found, it was just a street store, we, found, we spent hundreds of dollars on fireworks, which in Indonesia gets you a lot of fireworks. Because in Australia, fireworks are illegal. We don't have Guy Fawkes, not like you're about to have, I think, tomorrow night. And so for us, it's like, you know, it's, it's a dangerous moment when you have some young guys going, let's have some fun with some fireworks. And so we decided that we would go down to the resort we were at and we would you know, kind of put together a show for people. I thought, we don't want to spend it on ourselves. So let's, let's go down to the beachfront and let's set up this and then let's light it up and let's see what happens. And as we started lighting these fireworks, some of the really big ones tipped over. And literally, you could imagine, there were fireworks being like going off into the, to the restaurants. I mean, literally going, millennial, bang. One right next to a baby's pram. And we're in Indonesia, people. That is not a good thing in Indonesia to have things firing off in restaurants. People were panicking. People thought, we were just like, I don't know what's happening. And we, we actually cut our losses and literally like just got out of there. Like we just went, we're out of here. And we just literally got in the car, went to the airport and said, that was, that was not good. I hope they're all up. I hope that if you're Indonesian and you were there that night, I pray that you have got your limbs. But it was a very like scary moment when there was stuff going. It's like we're, we're under attack, you know. And so we just got out of there. And, you know, anyway, we went home, went through customs. Uh, there at Brisbane Airport. Funny enough, that day, we found ourselves in a situation where usually when I've gone to Indonesia, they would say, you know, you need to go through the bag scanning because of coming from, uh, from Indonesia. But they stated, so I just go down the green line, sir. Went home and I opened up my bag. And as I opened my bag, one of the guys thought it'd be brilliant, it'd be funny, to, to put a fireworks in my bag. <laughs> now, I had ticked the box on the way in saying I had no explosives. I had no... I, I didn't know that I was carrying fireworks in my bag on the plane and I opened it and there was this bunger sitting on top of my, my clothes, like right there. Like if they had opened it, it would have been right there. And I think I wouldn't be preaching this morning. I'd probably be in jail. I mean, there was, there, there was like a dangerous moment for me, but I'm so glad I had no idea what was going on around me. And I just went through as calm as day. But if I had known that there was a firework in my bag, I can promise you this, I would have been sweating bullets as I went through customs hoping I don't want to be scanned today. But there are times in our life, I don't know if you found, we're just glad that you didn't know what was going around you, like almost like God protected you, right? But there's been other times in my life where I know that I've needed God to start to prepare my heart, start to get me ready for what was to come so that I could walk into all that God had. And I believe this morning that God wants you to hear this as a church, that we are getting ready, and life you are getting ready for God to do something that is so new, so fresh, and that we can't take the old or what has been for, just for, as being familiar. And I want to ask you a question this morning. What do you see? What do you hear? If God talks about things that have not been seen yet or not been heard yet, what, what can you start to perceive? When it comes to your future, what do you see? What can you hear? When it comes to your family, what, what can you see? What can you hear? When it comes to life, in any location right now, if you're watching online, if you're in the, what, what can you see? What can you, I'm not talking about what you can see. I'm talking about what can you see? Yeah. 
If you're going to get those binoculars out, what is in the distance? God, what are you about to do? What is on the horizon for not just the church, but because I'm part of the church and I am the church, what's on the horizon for me, God? What are you going to do new in me? What are you, if I'm part of a church where, God, you're doing new things, what does it look like for me? Because when God starts to do it through his individuals, it happens corporately. I'm not sure across every campus how many parents that are in the room. But what I know is this, that when 13 years ago my eldest daughter was born, it radically changed me. From the moment that she came out, I looked at her and thought, my life is no longer about me, it's about her. The shift of responsibility took place. And up until that point, I wouldn't say I was a reckless driver. I'd say I was a calculated driver. I knew where the speed cameras were and I knew where everything was working. But on this particular Sunday morning, I went to pick her up from Royal North Shore Hospital in Sydney, where she was born. I've got to tell you, that day, I was the safest driver in Sydney. I didn't go over 40 kilometers. I, I don't know what it was, but there was this, I was like, anyone who's going past me at 50 km, I'm like, excuse me, there is precious cargo back here. Be careful. Like, there's something about a brand new baby that is, you are feeling so responsible. You get home, you put them in their little room, and, you know, you mothers have spent six months paranoid over every detail of that space and every color and every cool thing that's on Pinterest right now, and you, you've got it all in there, and you're nesting, and, and we get them home, put the baby in there, and just one little noise, one little, eh, we're both in there. Well, everything all right? All right. No, it's all good. We're good. Put it back to sleep. And, you know, you know they're first-time parents. Different third child, but the first child, you're just like, oh, what's going on? So we're down, eight, eight kids, wherever. You know, it's like it's, you're deep into it. But that first child, you are so, it's like a porcelain doll that you just don't want to offend or hurt or just, you know, just want it to sleep. It's sleep, please. It's amazing that as a man, God's given us this gift. It's a really unique gift. You know, a week or two into it, like every cry in the night, like as a man, you're up, get the cricket bat ready. Who's there? Like, you know, you're like, you, you are on protection mode. But something happens. It's a miracle. It really is a genuine miracle. Three or four months deeper into this newborn baby being born, God has gifted us with this ability where somehow your ears manage to tune out to the cry of the baby. <laughs> and at 2 a.m. in the morning where it starts going, nah, nah, you don't hear it. I mean, it's a real, I don't know if it's medically proven, but there's something about that you just naturally don't hear it anymore. And you mums think we're joking. We're not joking. We just can't hear it. It's literally like God has gifted us. He said, you need to go to work in the morning. You just sleep through, son. You just keep going and let the wife do And so you wives are like, man, you got, oh, it's a real thing. Because what happens is our ears have become attuned to that noise. And it's no longer a thing that concerns us because we, we don't feel like it's our responsibility at that point. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not trying to take one for the boys. I'm just saying <laughs> that at that point, something happens where you can't hear it and we... And that can be a little bit like that when it comes to church, when it comes to God, yeah. that we find ourselves kind of tuning out the things we used to hear very clearly. Yeah. We're able to see things that before we can't see anymore because the clutter comes. Yeah. And I wonder in life, is it possible that there's times where you've tuned out, where you've got caught up in being in the moment and you've got used to it and what was once amazing, you walked in this house, for example, in one of the locations, and it was like, wow, everything's new, and the, the colors are vibrant, and you're a few years deep now, and you're like, it's just another Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just another weekend. Oh, that's just more people getting saved. Well, no, it's not. That's people's lives being changed. That's eternity having its place. You know, in 2004, there's a co company that I reckon most people in this name would say it's a household name called Blockbuster. You might not have heard of it for a while, but you know Blockbuster. You probably had a card. You probably rented videos from Blockbuster. 
And in 2004, it was the height of their in, in the industry, the entertainment industry. They were at the height of the game. They had 60,000 employees worldwide. They had a huge revenue of $5.9 billion a year. They had 9,000 stores worldwide throughout even New Zealand as well. But at the same time, coinciding in 2004, only 4% of all people on planet Earth had broadband in their home. You fast forward a few years, six years later, on the 23rd of October 2010 in the, in the American Supreme Court, blockbuster files for bankruptcy, six years later. And I think we understand that there was a shift going on from that we no longer use videos and DVDs to there's other things happening. But if I take you back to 2002, two years before the peak of Blockbuster, a small company walked in the door of Blockbuster and said, hey, we're looking for some investment. It was a small mail order company. And this company said, hey, we're looking for $50 million and you can be a 50-50 owner in this company. And the executives from Blockbuster said, no, there's no space in our, in our thinking for what you have to offer. We don't see the possibilities. At that point, the $50 million was the equivalent of three days' revenue for the entire company. That company was called Netflix. Netflix that is now turning over multiple billions of dollars every year, while Blockbuster is literally being pushed to the history books of a company that was great back in the day. But there was an opportunity. There was a moment in time where Blockbuster failed to see the possibilities. They failed to see what was coming. They failed to see a sense of what was on the horizon and they missed the boat. They missed the opportunity. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. It's so easy being at life saying, hey, we're part of a world-class church. It's got great venues. We're comfortable. The worship was amazing this morning. What a healthy culture. We talk about men's issues and we hang out as families and we have groups. Isn't it great to have amazing pastors that literally travel the globe and are a voice to the church? And you know what could happen? We can get familiar. And just like Blockbuster, if we're not careful before we know it, we might become obsolete. Because that is not the call of God on this house. This is not what God has called for this house. And if anything, I believe that God wants you to hear something fresh this morning. I believe this morning that God wants you to hear, this is the word that God's dropped in my spirit here for life this morning, that what is on the way is not what has been, it's not what you've seen before, but God is getting ready to do something so supernatural through this church that has never been seen before and it's never been heard before. And somebody across these campuses better get excited this morning because when we start to get familiar, we get obsolete. But when God starts to say, I'm doing something fresh, new God is ready to pour out His Spirit. And either we just say, well, well, it's kind of, we're used to that here. 27 years of goodness. Thank you, Joel. Well, Blockbuster had plenty of good years as well. But when we connect ourselves to the fact that God is doing a new thing, He's not doing something old. He's not doing what it used to be. But Joel, I used to like this campus. I used to, no, no, God's getting ready to do something new. Down there, something new in the north. God's getting ready for new. What can you see? What can you hear? And here's the word that I felt God speak to me at my desk on Thursday. Hear this carefully, life, in every campus online. You are about to move into a season as the church. where You're not just turning the page. You're not even about to write a new chapter. God is throwing all that away. And He's about to write a brand new book. God is about to pour out His Spirit in this church. And there is a brand new book about to be written that is going to get the attention of not only Auckland, not just New Zealand, but the whole world is going to be looking, saying, what on earth is going on? And God wants you to hear that. Get ready because something new is on the way. 
When I know that a church is about to have something new, the good news is this, that it impacts you because it starts in you. It starts when God wants to do something new in your business. God wants to do something new in your family. God wants to restore your marriage. God wants to take your marriage to a new level. God wants to get you ready in the education sector, in the, in the health sector. God's saying, if I'm about to do something new in my church, it starts in you. So what can you see? And what can you hear that's on the way? You know, we're, we're literally, as a church on the Gold Coast, I know you wouldn't necessarily know a lot about it, we started five years ago, and uh, we started church with the mind, what would it look like to build a church for people who had never been to church before? Like, God, there's a lot of great churches in the Gold Coast, but what would it look like for the 97% of people who have never been to church before in what people would call Sin City? God, what would it look like to turn that around and say, no, it's the place to come for a family, it's a place to come to find life, it's the place to come to find Jesus. So we started that with 20 people, five and a half years ago, and the church has literally grown to thousands of people. And it's been one person after they're finding Jesus, story after story, people finding Jesus. And in two weeks from now, we're moving into our new building. I love it. This morning, our church, our church knows that we're building a new building, and they know that it's coming, but they think it's next year. And we're announcing this morning, well, obviously, I'm here, but on a video, that we're starting in two weeks. And so we're moving into the 1,200-seat auditorium. It's, it's, it's unprecedented for the Gold Coast. It's never been done before. It's a massive facility. It's for seven days a week, community engagement. And what I want to say is this. We, we, my wife and I, she'll be here soon, but we know the pressures as the pastors of what it looks like in a season where you haven't had a day off for a long time. You, you can't switch off here when God's getting a new thing ready. Wherever you are this morning, I want you to be committed to praying for your pastors. Yes. Pastor Paul, Pastor Marie, Pastor Luke, the whole executive team here. I'm telling you, that what God is getting ready for this next season requires the prayers and the support of the whole church. Yeah. Like on days where you think, I can't do this, that's where you need to know that there's a warrior, a prayer army behind you going, no, you can do this, Pastor. Because if God's doing something new, God's doing something that's never been heard before, I tell you what, the enemy is not a fan of that kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know about you, whatever location, would we, would we agree as the church, we're going to pray for our pastors, we're going to support them. You know, one of the greatest gifts you can give them right now is lowering any personal expectations you have of them. Oh, he didn't say hello to me today. Oh, look, as a staff member, usually like, you know, he's, no, no, if you could just lose all expectations and let them get through this season, the best pastor, Paul Marie, the new pastor, Paul Marie, because there's a new thing happening, you just wait and see what God will do. And I just want to encourage you with that. It's very important. So what can you see? What can you hear? I want to read a story of the Bible for a moment. And I'd love to, can I ask you to come and join me for a second? I'm sorry, I don't know your name, but I just, you know. Nicole, come and, come and join me just quickly. Just come, maybe use the stairs. We've got time. We've got time. In every location, Nicole's about to come hang with me. I just thought we're going to read the Word of God. And I love women, and I think it'd be great for believing in women. And they're going to read, she's going to read a Bible verse for us. So if you just look on that screen, there's going to come up in a moment. So it's Joshua chapter 3. Get your Bibles ready. Verse 1. Don't be nervous. It's just reading the Bible. And so, are you ready for this? So you can read there or you can read there. Every campus watching, get ready for the Word of God this morning. Here we go. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites sit out <laughs> from Shittim <laughs> and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. You, you did a lot better than the people in the last service, so well done. Give, thank you. I appreciate that. I just didn't want to say it. You got it right. In the last service, across, across the, it was said in a different way that really just, I couldn't say it. I wouldn't. But for those of you that are like, you know, highly skilled in Hebrew like myself, 
It's actually Shatim is the correct term, as a friend of Coldus read out. But Shatim, uh, I think it'd be a pretty ordinary place to live, just quietly. I, I, I <laughs> Must have been tough times down there. So early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, they set out from Shatim and went to the Jordan and they, where they camped before crossing over. On verse 2, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp and giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, which is God's presence, of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from the positions and follow it. And then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark and do not go near it. And Joshua told the people, and I want you to hear this this morning life. I believe God's saying this to you as a church. Consecrate yourselves. In other words, separate yourselves. Get yourself ready for something new. Cast off any offense. Get rid of any unforgiveness. Get yourself to a position where you can get ready. Consecrate. Get ready, get ready, get ready for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Because Joshua at this point is leading them from Shittim to a place they've never been before. They've never seen it before. The problem is this, that there are rumors and there is gossip and there is a sense that there are giants in this promised land. People start to freak out and go, I think I'd rather go back to Egypt. Like at least there, like at least I kind of wouldn't be under attack. I might have been a slave and had a master, but at least there, like I'd have to fear for my life that I could die. And here's what happens. Anytime we're getting ready for a new thing, the enemy throws all kinds of things at us. He'll throw whatever he can our way to give us a sense of like, it can't be done. It's not possible. You can't innovate. You can't move towards that. And I think at this particular season right now in life, just like the Israelites was camped out thousands of years ago getting ready to cross over, you are in this season right now. And hear me carefully this morning. You have a moment in time where you get to steward and there's only a very few opportunities in the life of any life-giving, vibrant, large church where there are moments in time where God moves us from here to here. It's not just little steps. It's a big moment in time where God's getting you ready, getting your heart ready, getting this church ready for God to do something so unique and so incredible. You are standing on the edge of a promise right now. I see amazing things in the horizon. A church that will influence an entire city, a nation, the world. Getting ready to reshape how people see the kingdom of God. And here's the thing, it's easy to rest on what we've been doing. I mean, you wouldn't say that Life Church isn't doing well. It's an amazing church. But it's easy to stay where we are and say, we're just quite happy right here, right now. But if we're not willing to keep innovating and keep hearing the new thing that God's doing, you know, just like Blockbuster, there was another company in America that also had a similar situation. In 1996, Kodak had $26 billion of revenue. It had incredibly, incredible influence in the whole world. You know, a photo was a Kodak moment. It, it, the, the brand recognition was so strong. Do you remember back in the day where you would get one of those cameras, you would buy the roll-up cameras and you would pray and hope that you got two out of three shots out of the 24 that you could put in your photo album. But in 2012, only six years ago, Kodak went under. This institution of the way we saw life when it comes to photography was gone. And I think it'd be fair for you and I to say, well, look, there's probably obvious reasons that they didn't migrate from film to digital and they probably didn't like, you know, they weren't really part of that revolution, the technology, they got left behind. And I think there would be a fair analysis if you've got a business mind. But here's the problem. 
1975, Kodak invented the digital camera. In 1975, weighing four kilos and a megapixel of 0.01, one of the employees created the digital camera and they did nothing with it. They decided that why would we want to change, even though we're, we're innovating, we're thinking, why don't we just stay with what's working for us in the film industry or the film camera? And they didn't allow the technology to be developed and they got left behind because they weren't willing to innovate. There's a saying, innovate or die. And when it comes to church, if you stop doing the new thing that God's doing, we're going to die as well. We become obsolete. And God wants you to hear this this morning. There is a new thing that God's trying to do. He's getting you ready for a new season. He's preparing hearts for God to do something so unique and so fresh. You know, yesterday... I had the complete honour and privilege with my wife. We got to have a tour of the new building. I put the hard hat on. And I don't want to give away too much, but can I just say this? Please listen to me. Wow. Like, you have seen nothing. Like I have never personally in my life, like it made what we're doing on the Gold Coast, which has been pretty exciting up to this point, look like we're building like a play park for 20 people. Like I was just like, okay, well, thanks, thanks Pastor Paul Marie for that. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were doing something great for God. And I was like, okay, it's always good to have bigger people in your world, right? Something to aspire to. Love you, Pastor Paul Marie. Thanks for crashing our world down yesterday. I was appreciative. <laughs> but hear me, hear me. What could happen is we could be in all the locations thinking to ourselves, because it's not about a building. It's not. But a bigger vehicle ushers in bigger moves of God. Yeah. It creates more space for more people to find Jesus. Yeah. We walked through yesterday, and honestly, I was like, draw on the floor. I've heard about it. I've seen the outside of it. I've seen stages of the design in the process. But actually walking through it yesterday, I thought, oh my gosh, what is about to happen here? You need to get, I now know what God asked me to take my other message away. And I saw it and said, you you need to get ready. You, You know what? When new things are about to start, people love being part of mutual history. So there are people all over Auckland and you could be in any location because you've all got friends everywhere. You could be online right now and you might be just checking this whole thing out. Can I tell you when this opens, this new facility here in Central, your friends and family will be open to an invitation. It's not just for the church to celebrate. I'm telling you, we're talking about people who don't, if we get caught up and it's about who's here now, we're in big problems. We'll we'll be a Kodak church. But if we get ready for the people who aren't here right now, the people that God has on the way, your friends, your family, your neighbours, your work colleagues, they're the ones that God's saying, we're making more space and I'm using you right now because when God does a new thing, He needs the people who are right now to expand. And if you're not careful, if you get left behind, if you become obsolete in your thinking, we need to get our hearts ready and go, I need to be serving. I need to be getting ready. I need to be able to give up my seat. I need to, you can park there. I'll catch a bus. Whatever I have to do to make more space for people because when God is doing a new thing, either we sit back and go, oh, I like my old, the old building was well I had a seat I didn't have to fight for, for, for I didn't have to line up what, what is what? and we miss the fact yeah. that God is innovating God is moving this church forward can I say when I walked in yesterday I felt God speak to me can I tell you as an outsider someone who is very much thankful for this church I love life I love all it is but I'm called to be doing what I'm doing in my lane there on the Gold Coast but as someone who came yesterday into that building and saw it I felt like God showed me some things that I think I need to communicate to you this morning as an outsider go hey don't get familiar with what is going on when I went to that building yesterday this is what I saw I saw a building that it wasn't a building it was actually a vehicle for God to unleash a move of God in this 
city. I didn't just see a building. I saw a fortress for hope that every car and every person that drove past, that God would say, I'm about to pour out my grace and mercy and that the church would no longer be this thing that's in the back blocks, but it'll be front and center again, just like God designed. I saw a church yesterday and a building. I thought this is going to be an unprecedented outpost of God's salvation in this nation. I saw a place yesterday where people are going to be restored, refreshed. People are going to walk in and have their whole minds blown away. Creativity will reign. I saw even a picture yesterday of divorced people walking in. They didn't know that each other was there and finding God and then remarrying each other because God was in the middle of a move of God. And either we're going to get comfortable, we're going to get familiar, or we're going to say, God, shake me now. Get us ready. Get us ready because I want to see what you're going to do, God. I want to start hearing now what you're going to do. I want to be ready for my friends and my family to be ready because I don't want them to miss out. If your plan was for salvation, God, I want in. I want in. Because ultimately what I see and what I hear will be a reflection of what comes out of here. So so how are we talking? Oh, we're just moving up the road. No, trust me, you're not. You're not. Just walk. No, you're not. If you walk in there, you're going to think, oh, it will take your breath away. It took my breath away. Just literally, I walked away and I was like, thank you, God, for what's about to happen. Thank you, God, for faithfulness and men and women that have believed and given to their businesses and their families and from the, from the, the person here that has sacrificed $5 because that's all they had to the person who went all in with their Whoever it was, whatever you did, thank you for the kingdom of God. Thank you that we can be inspired that this church is setting new precedents that we can believe it happen everywhere. Thank you. But I want to just give you two quick thoughts, two things that we can carry in this season. The first one is this. I can carry spiritual eyes. In other words, I need to get a picture in my spirit for what's coming. Either that God can actually physically give you a picture. You can imagine as you start to see the people that are lining up at the doors, the the people you're having to give your seats up, you can actually start to get a sense of what God's going to do. I used to be a tour guide at a place called Centerpoint Tower in Sydney. When I was at university, I had a job there for five years. It was the best job. I'd I'd go to uni in the day. At night, I'd go and be a tour guide. And I remember I would help people try and see the horizon. Because from up there, it's a little bit taller than Auckland Tower, not being competitive, but it's a little bit taller. And as, as you would look out to the horizon, it was actually 82 kilometers on a good day to, to the Blue Mountains. And people would struggle to see it. They couldn't adjust their eyesight to it. And I would have to actually like, talk them through a process. It's like, okay, see, if you go out about, you know, like, as far, is that, that there, Sydney Olympic Park, big white dome, okay, that's, that's Homebush. Keep going. Okay, if you go a little bit further, you'll be able to see that, that big road. Okay, that's called the M1. And I keep walking around. Eventually, they'll be like, oh, now I see that. I can see where that horizon meets it. And we can be the kind of people that actually help others see what God's about to do. The way, the way that it comes out of our mouth, we can start to say, hey, you know what? You need to get ready for what God's doing. This is an exciting season. Then there's other people here, and based on who you hang around with will determine the kind of level of blessing that God wants to flow in your life in this season. On the Gold Coast, cool story, actually a, a great friend of ours that comes to church, two years ago walked into church, his family never been to church, he's from Auckland originally, he was a rugby player, and walked into our East server, found Jesus, and he's just, he's just walking in the favor of God. It's cool that 2010, he was playing for the ACT Brumbies in rugby, and the captain at the time, Matt Guido, who you might have heard of as a rugby player, I would love to say that he caused you a lot of hurt and pain, but he didn't really, but that's the All Blacks. We addressed that issue yesterday. He was a good player, to be fair. But Matt Guido walked into the change room one day and said, hey, boys, I've got some, uh, some friends who are doing some investment. Why don't we just all chuck $50 in and see what happens? And literally some of the players, oh, I have got 50 And my buddy, Sean, uh, who comes to our church, he, he said, oh, I've got $20 and gave it to Matt Guido. Literally, like, sight unseen, he said, I'll oh, just put that in. 
Never heard another thing about it for eight years. In December last year, he gets a phone call from France, because Matt's playing in France these days. He says, hey, Sean, I've got your money for you. He said, what are you talking about? He said, I remember back in 2010, we all invested together. He said, well, actually, uh, at that point, uh, we, we brought Bitcoins. And that day when you gave me $20, it was, it was 70 cents at the time. And you bought 33 Bitcoins, and I've got your name on it waiting for you. I don't know where you want me to send the money to, but they're currently worth $750,000. <laughs> and in December last year, talk about a nice Christmas present. My buddy, Sean, sight unseen, paid with cash for a brand new home off a $20 investment because he walked in the blessing and favor of somebody else's revelation and he was caught up in what God did. And you need to hear me this morning, get ready for what God's about to do because there is an unprecedented favor about to flow across this house where people are going to find themselves caught up in the blessing, the favor. Somebody get better get caught up excited in this place. Right across, like, there is something about to happen where when you put yourself in the slipstream of God and the favor and blessing of God starts to pour out, you will see what happens. You also need to have spiritual ears. What are the frequencies that you're tuning yourself into? What are you listening to? What voice is he allowing into your heart? The band want to come and join me. You know, it's easy to forget what all this thing here is called because we come on a Sunday and we love community, brilliant. I love going to group, brilliant, it's important. But God originally had an intention for His church. There was never a name on the door. It was called His body. And in Acts chapter two, if you want to go and read, He speaks about this vibrant, church, this community of people that love one another. But the love, the last part of Acts 2 says this, it says that, and they were added to daily. People that were being saved, because that is God's heart for His church, for people. The sad thing is this, that in that moment, there was 500 people in the lead up that started this whole thing called the church. And there were 500 people who saw Jesus ascend back to heaven. And He said, I want you to wait be patient because I'm sending someone. The Holy Spirit is going to be your comfort, your guide, your discernment. He's going, to, he's going to change the game. But yet, even though those five saw with their own eyes Jesus, 120 were left in the upper room. 380 tapped out. And 120, the Bible says, were all together in one place. In other words, unity. And as a result, there was an encounter with God. The Holy Spirit fell in this place. Peter walked out, the guy who stuffed up, the guy who wasn't good enough, the guy who was unquiet, he walks out and he starts preaching and there was 3,000 men get saved that day. The church goes from 120, sorry, went from 500 to 120 to 3,000, if not more than that. And I believe God wants you to hear this this morning, life, that if you would let unity flow in this place, if you would be together seeing one thing in one accord, you're going to see exponential growth in this next season. In every location, in every campus, God is getting ready to do a new thing. It's going to be your friends, your family, the people in your world finding Jesus because there is going to be a blessing of God that is going to be unleashed in this place. And either you're going to have your heart, your head ready for what's going to do, or you're just going to go, it's just more of the same. I'm telling you what's coming is not more of the same and you need to get your heart and your life ready. Would you stand up in every location right now, right across the, right across the place? And I wanna pray for people in this, in this church right across life as an outsider that, I don't feel like an outsider, I feel like part of the family, but you know what I'm saying? A voice from the outside saying, please, please, please steward this next season well. Steward your friends well because when the grace of God starts to flow, we cannot get familiar with what's been. We cannot stop innovating. We must give it all to God. And I want you right now in this place and right across the locations, online even. If you say, God, I want to see what you want me to see and I want to hear what you're trying to say, God. I want you to lift both hands right now, right across every location. We're going to pray a simple prayer. 
we ask you this morning, God, would you start to show us what you want us to see, Lord? Because we want to be in unity, Father. We want to be flowing in your favour, God. We want to be flowing in your blessing, Father. We don't want to be rogue. We don't want to do things by ourselves. But God, show us what it looks like to be all together in one place, getting ready for supernatural growth, Father. God, I pray, let us hear your word. Let it open our hearts, Father. Help us change, Father. Help us lose offence in any areas. Let us not get caught in unforgiveness. But God, let us have a, a clean spirit. And just like in Joshua, you said we need to consecrate ourselves. God, we consecrate ourselves afresh this morning in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.